Welcome to CX and Chill, the real raw customer experience podcast from Epso Studios and ExtendOps. Today, your host, Stephanie Todd, talks with pizza pro Aaron Nielsen, Chief Information and Data Officer at Jets Pizza and lead contributor to the Domino's Delivery app. Tune in as they explore the early days of virtual experiences, building amazing CX with pizza ordering JetBot, the meaning of grage, and the vital importance of spelling in the digital age of 21 plus content. Enjoy. Tell my grandparents to a porn site for their first for their first experience with what they thought I built. And God There's bless them. There's already porn right at Oh the yeah, end. right there. Like instantly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I the godfather a... of technology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna put that on my LinkedIn. <laughs> We're not doing a ton with VR on that. I mean, we mm-hmm. see it, like, we take it for granted that it's out there. At that mm-hmm. time, it was a pain in the ass to get accomplished. Yeah and you were tons of fiddling with it, and now there's systems like Matterport that just like, you go in and you hit a button and the whole room is scanned and it is yeah. super, uh, but but you know what's weird is that from, from a customer experience, they don't, people aren't using, and we don't, we're not super dependent upon it. Mm-hmm. I will say that at that time, I assumed that that would be all over, if I you could ask me in 95, what would happen in 2023 with a technology like that? Yeah. I would have just assumed this is what the entire internet is going to be. Welcome to CX and Chill. I'm your host, Stephanie Todd. I'm here with Aaron Nielsen from Jets Pizza. You want to give a little background on who you are, Aaron? Yeah, uh, my name is Aaron Nielsen. Um, I'm a trained designer. I've been doing internet stuff since basically when the internet began, which is a, something that really trips my kids out that the internet didn't exist at one point. Uh, but I've been there since the beginning and I spent a bunch of time with like General Motors. And then when that was kind of falling apart in 09, I bounced over to Domino's for Domino's Pizza for uh, eight years or so. And I was at Carhartt for a little bit, Carhartt Clothing Company. And now I'm back as the CIO at Jets Pizza. I've been there for four years. I was like the Carhartt, I got all the hats and swag and now it's in style. And my totally. kids, I was, they're like, how did you know what was going to be in style? I'm like, oh, you know, I have friends. In that way, I've been in style since like kindergarten. I grew up in a farming community where it was like the thing you wore as a like functional thing. Yeah. And now it's all over Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so By wait. people who've never broken a sweat on a day, a day in their life. I don't even know what Carhartt really means or what, like, is it, it's really created to have warmth for yeah. laborious jobs. For right? people it's doing real work. Things. Yeah. So then, so starting the internet and your kids what, talk- Worn by people who are getting paid to do absolutely nothing. Okay. Well, maybe it warms their heart. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so when you say internet started, it blows your kid's mind. Yeah. Do you remember, do you have recollection of the first time you got on the internet? Yeah, actually, that was like. I was I was at Michigan State and I was in, uh, just struggling to figure out what I wanted to do. I grew up in, uh, my dad was an artist and a public high school art teacher. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got to college, I really didn't know I, uh, what I was going to do. I, I had just blown out a shoulder doing some sports stuff, so I wasn't doing some sports stuff. And I, I was kind of, in hindsight, lucky enough to be next to like the, the Uber nerd that was on my floor, was the, I shared a wall with him. And he's like, oh yeah, well, um, there's like so much cool stuff going on. He walked me over to the computer store. We bought a computer with money I got for high school graduation. And what did and, that computer look like? Uh, it was the <laughs> it was it was a tall iMac thing and all in one. It had that beige gray yeah. look that they all had at the time, uh, or uh, grayish. I think is the word <laughs> that they use now, which is like so hip in the 2000s and in the 2023s, wherever we are. Yeah. For if you're on TikTok and watch in, um, interior design videos, I bought that and then we. Tommy and I built my first web page, um, and it was awesome. Uh, and but it was just like a thing locally. And then, uh, and that was just like I didn't even make the dot connection until I went to an entomology class, 
saw the Netscape spinning logo, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my god, there's there's like a dude out there, a guy, because I'm personalizing the story, who gets to like make this animation. You can have do art stuff and computer stuff and have a job and get paid, and it's gonna be a big deal. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. So I switched everything, started doing that. I talked to an artist friend of mine that did large, primitive, figurative sculptures of like human-like characters. Mm-hmm. And um, I built my first web page and I was so proud of it. So from my dorm room, I called my grandparents because they were the only other people who had like invested money and gotten on the internet in 95, I think this was. Your grandparents? My grandparents, yeah. Grandpa, super tech, super tech forward and always okay. was. You always like just fidget with everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's not a common statement that yeah, yeah my only other person I knew that had any internet connection was my grandfather. Yeah. And I gave him the web address, chatterly.com. I nervous and I had hung hang with the phone because that was the, you had to dial this back in the modern days. Mm-hmm. Hang up the phone, wait, waited for like a half hour. I kept calling back like every five minutes. I'm like, did you see it? Did you see it? Because it wasn't a, it was my first web page. Yeah. And then he calls me back and he's like, you know, uh, is this what you want to do with your life? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Grandpa, I think this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, all right. Uh, I'm going your grandma. And my grandma's like, Aaron, okay. And that's all she said. Mm-hmm. And she handed the phone back to Grandpa. I'm like, well, what did you see? He's like, well, I'm like, did you see he's got the, the art and stuff? He's like, well, um, yeah, I was on that for a little while. And then I went to the storefront. I'm like, there's no storefront. Where were you? He's like, I was on charlie.com. I'm like, yeah, charlie.com. It's like C-H-A-T-T-E-R-L-E-Y. Oh, no, 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 there's no E. If you go to that, it was Lady Chatterley's House of S and M B and D. I sent my grandparents to a porn site for their <laughs> first for their first experience with what they thought I built. And God there was bless them. Porn right oh the yeah, end. right there. Like instantly. Yeah. It was a very like the opening image was like this graphic <laughs> thing with candle wax and like twine ropes and stuff like that and that's where I sent my grandparents and I learned a valuable lesson about like hey be really careful with the URLs that you send to anybody let alone your grandparents and how you spell them that's right maybe but yeah. that sounds like a very calm response yeah. to where you send them <laughs> to the website like it wasn't like a video maybe they were like red faced in person but they were mm-hmm. all right cool like, fine okay. I think they were just hopefully maybe it was a face mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so then you had the other site, but then as you went through time, how yeah. did you get to, because you have the unique mix of art, design, you know, yeah. like how did you then go from whatever you built, which would be really interesting to see what that looks like now. Yeah. What you, have you, do you have that anywhere? The, the original one yeah. that I built? Um, I, yeah, I got screen captures in my portfolio. Oh, that's amazing. The site okay. has been, actually, he I, he's still a friend of mine. Eventually, I let my sister take over the site, so mm-hmm. I think chatterly.com with an E is still out there and my sister manages it and Mark's a good guy and I occasionally end up in his studio drinking whiskey and he gets uh, he gets his friends to ship him stuff from like Korea that you can't get in the United States. Yeah. So, uh, makes an afternoon in Mark's studio really fun. Mm-hmm. So that still exists and I got, I'll send you a picture of the first one. Yeah. It's cool, it looked like a, like an artist palette. So yeah. it's very graphical. Yeah, I think I have, I think I've made a copy of the screen image of every, des- every design yeah. I've ever had. That's great. I have captured things, but it's a disorganized mess. Everything yeah. probably exists somewhere, but there is not organization to what I have. So yeah, yeah, that's nice that you have the forward thought that this is going to be something later that, that I'm going to need. Yeah. Oh, I knew I, I I was totally like trying to infuse. We're doing art, uh, mm-hmm. and I was in I was still a design student, so I went from entomology to design. Yeah. I study bugs, design, nothing to do with bugs. 
Uh, and then I, so I got on a roll of doing, um, like in those days, you could spell HTML, you could get a job doing stuff. So I got, I was building websites for, at Michigan State, for um, the medical school. And then I got, the, the best gig that I got to like infuse art and tech at the same time mm-hmm. is I got a job at the Natural History Museum. And the guy who went by the name of Sonny, wasn't his real name, because he had a long Korean name that he felt people struggled to pronounce, but he's just such a great guy. And he's like, yeah, just go buy all the software. Here's a budget and figure out something cool to do. And that was like mm-hmm. such a gift because I got to like be in the driver's seat of figuring out something cool. Yeah. So I bought this like quick time virtual reality camera setup and they had these like little biomes in the museum where it shows like, you know, what it's like to be in the desert, what it's like to be in um, the Arctic and stuff like that and did some virtual reality stuff. But it was more that experimentation to get people to engage with the website and they, you know, there was minimal traffic at the time, but we, you know, probably 10 x it uh, for overall traffic, got some press and then got to do some really interesting, interesting things like the Michigan Barn Preservation Network, which was basically just like ruined porn of barn images that are like, hey, this is a barn we could fix up. Hey, this is a barn. And they, you know, had tons of barns on there uh but it was a, another like kind of community oriented site sure so fun so you had virtual reality in what year that would have been 96 okay so yeah. now looking at virtual reality today how yeah. does that compare you, uh you're like the godfather of technology <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna put that on my linkedin um we just need to get you a cat right um <laughs> Yeah, so that was nice. It, it was still photographic, but mm-hmm. you could only go like around, like in a circle or just a little bit up and down. Yeah. And at home, like I'm still like the things I like to play with. And the thing I like to play with most that involves technology is I have one of those Oculus. Mm-hmm. Um, I just we're gonna we're on the door of doing something amazing with that. Mm-hmm. But you know what's weird? All these years, like this is um, geez, from '95 till now is seven, eight yeah. years. Holy Jesus. We're not doing a ton with VR on that. I mean, we see it, like, we take it for granted that it's out there. At that mm-hmm. time, it was a pain in the ass to get accomplished, yeah. and you were tons of fiddling with it, and now there's systems like Matterport that just, like, you go in and you hit a button and the whole room is scanned, and it is yeah. super... Uh, but but you know what's weird is that from a, from a customer experience, they don't... People aren't using it. We don't, we're not super dependent upon it. Mm-hmm. I will say that at that time, I assumed that that would be all over. If I, you would ask me in 95, what would happen in 2023 with a technology like that? Yeah. I would have just assumed this is what the entire internet is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have shopping malls that you virtually walk through. But we don't. We're still weirdly, I think, mostly basing the internet on a metaphor from a Sears and Robot catalog. We do... The people are still mentally modeling how you're going through information online, similar to flipping pages of the catalog. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you know e-commerce or dominance.com or jetpizza.com or whatever is, you know, you, here's a page on this, and then you do a thing, usually mm-hmm. in the lower right corner, that yeah. feels like the equivalent of this to flip to a new page. Yep. And I think those experiences, we're gonna, I don't exactly know how, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm working on, you know, with the AI technology that we have for our pizza ordering, yeah. is an example of, you know, placing, you, you, we're using the internet, and, and air quoting is annoying, sorry, <laughs> but to, we're using that to do something that's, uh, that breaks this model of the page. And I think the chat GPT stuff that's going on, that's, I think these couple of technologies are probably gonna fuse together to I think get people more comfortable and practiced at doing mm-hmm. things that are on the internet to accomplish something or another 
that doesn't involve the page model that is mm -hmm. was is it wasn't is still so familiar. Yeah. This thing that goes back to the dawn of the printing press. Well, there's so much that I think from a blending of digital and physical that I thought would have already happened. Yeah. But I think even in CX, there's so many things we've talked about for 20 years that I'm still like, are we still talking about this? Because I don't see many people doing it. And so it's interesting to see kind of what latches on or not. And I had some predictions as we went into COVID of yeah. like, oh, VR is going to obviously take off or these types of things. And there were still th like areas where I'm like, oh, that's interesting that that didn't really become a massive thing in comparison to what I thought it could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we have Oculus at home, but it's mainly my youngest playing Gorilla Tag. And he like works up a sweat downstairs. Uh, I'm like, well, it's kind of a form of exercise. Yeah. Um, but I thought it would be used for far different things. Or even like you're saying, blending to have more immersive experiential, you know, yeah. happenings within a, sites, whether it's e-commerce or not. But something online where you can get pulled more into it and you feel the emotion and connectedness versus more static or, or, you know. or make it more an analog to what you're having in real yeah. life, which that is a weird thing it, that like, um, and, and you know, maybe I'll look back in like 10 more years and go, yeah, I was wrong then. Yeah. But at least like Facebook, as an example, is throwing a fudge ton of money towards mm -hmm. building something that is uh, analogous to real life. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that with all these tools to make virtual, to make it anything. Now, granted, you can like, you know, you know, pick your character. So there's rules that don't apply, but I mean, the height, uh, it's, there's a, I think there's this weird thing going on where the height of tech, we keep aiming and innovating to figure out something to make it sort of more like what we're all, what we already have yeah. in real life. Yeah. And I don't know that that's the right way to do it. I think the, the augmentation stuff that happens mm. in places like the metaverse or that are, or that are going to happen as yeah. it, you know, mainstreams its way down to the point where, my mom or dad, who are now the age of my grandparents were when uh, they originally went to the porn site, um, <laughs> that when they start using this, do they, I don't know that they need the, the thing that's just like real life. You yeah. should be able to pick the, I think the, I think the happy compromise is going to be the ability to pick the, pick the best parts and have that be part of the, the overall experience for those guys. Yeah. Just replication is probably not going to, that can't be the end. Like, it's one of the things where when I go to hockey games, yeah, all the other little kids will always sit by me and I'll talk to them. And all the parents are like, why don't all the kids come sit by you? I'm like, <laughs> because they have the best ideas and most mm. creative imaginations because I think that they're not biased yet because they're, they're so in touch with just so much creativity because yeah. I always joke that because they haven't been burned by society yet. Yes. <laughs> so they're not rooted in the pattern yeah. and they're not, yeah. they, they're, they don't have taxes to pay. And yeah. so they don't, and they don't have meals to prepare. Yeah. They're doing, they're not responsible for anything. Yeah. So they have the luxury of venturing out. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's fun to see that. So like from a creative standpoint too, though, like what could be, I know we've had a lot of conversations around like what can go out there and whatnot. And, yeah. You know, I come up with a lot of creative ideas that generally you're pretty nice about responding to in, in ways that oh. don't, don't make me seem crazy. You like, you still let me, my childlike <laughs> curiosity come out. Um, like, you know, the one I think I told you about the Smello app where I'm like, when you have experiences, like you go for a run in the morning, you smell fresh cut grass or you have Thanksgiving dinner and you have the smell of that or like how I actually thought of it was I was at a shoe store and I saw the jelly shoes yeah. popular again oh, okay. and they have a smell okay. that instantly brought back childhood the memories of my sister. The smell? Yeah. Okay. And I can't describe it. So I was trying to tell a my pleasant, sisters. I mean, it's pleasant relatively or just It's distinct? like strawberry meets plastic. Mm, okay. I'm not, you know, it's close. Okay. But 
I, I was think trying I know to... that smell. Like, they, didn't they have those, like, the little red-haired doll things? Like strawberry shortcake? Yes. Yeah. Is that what it smelled I like? I had a strawberry shortcake bite. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it brought back all those memories because, uh, you know, it's the ones, it's like one of the senses that you can't tie in to the digital world. And so I'm like, how yeah, can we do that? Yeah. Because when you have that, you evoke all these emotions. And so I'm like, oh, what if we had something where you could push sense to people as they have it? And then instantly I'm like, people are just going to send farts. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I was like, but you have a library of sense. But you know, it's really just talking about like, what can you do to make experiences different or better or something that's a surprise or delight or, you know, whatever. And so I know one of the things you've talked about before is when you were at Domino's, the tracker app. And yep. just, I loved hearing more about the vision for that. If you want to talk more about like that heartbeat oh, yeah. and what so, you thought for that. So tracker predates me, it, it existed before I got there, but I worked mm-hmm. on it a lot, like worked through some of the redesigning the skins and yeah. making it audibleized. Um, the cultural relevance of that just rose a bunch but and i'd love to say that it was totally my idea but it is not uh, mm-hmm. but i did leverage it and expand upon it but the steps where you go are you so you so the reason you're at track the reason that's valuable yeah yep. um is that you go through this e-commerce experience and i, I don't know that it was exactly articulated this way uh in this zone but you go through this e-commerce experience showing gooey gooey cheese and you get so excited and you're like oh you're two house of someone who's probably really hungry or has kids that are hungry and they're chugging on pant legs and you get them all excited and then enough that they'll spend their hard-earned cash to get some Domino's pizza which as a Jets guy now my Domino's seriously go to some Jets <laughs> but the point is is that this was then and now is now the point but you get to the that was end. also an office moment like looking at the camera for that yes. one moment this is not my, I feel I like, like it's a subliminal advertisement you get this I would like to make sure other people let's, let's say my boss sees this Jets pizza clearly better but those Sicilians, they really know. They really do. <laughs> you throw it on your hard-earned cash, and then the experience is dead air. Mm-hmm. At the time they that the company that you just put your faith in the company, I'm giving you some money. I want yeah. something. And the, the immediate feedback is silence for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But with the tracker, you now get this now order stays alive in your uh in your mind and in your heart. And the the pattern uh, that was explained to me by the um, of the animation that was in the Hathor tracker was the, at the ad agency. They felt that it was like intentionally supposed to feel like a heartbeat, and they made it glow kind of like a heartbeat. Because what they were doing was keeping that order alive in the mind until you were actually served a piece of pizza that you could have and tangibly hold mm-hmm. and eat and smell and all those other decent things. Could have been a Jets, have been a better experience. But, yeah. Well, but yeah. now you've transitioned too from. Like, how do you do it different now, right? Because yeah. between you were at Carhartt and then you went yep. to Jets, right. and now you came up with a creative concept of how can I order pizza differently? Yeah. Which isn't, I mean, you have a lot of options, but the text message. And I remember I got to be part of your beta test, which yeah. was kind of fun. Yeah. I was like, I want pineapple. But mm-hmm. I also purposely tried to mess the system up. So it's we probably that at that had data. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about the thought behind text message and yeah. like where that came from and then where you got it to? Right. So um, when I got it, Four years ago, I got to Jets, and uh, in my assessment, they, uh, and, and this is not pejorative to say it, but they were guys who, you know, dearly loved pizza, but they probably hadn't uh, gone in enough on tech and how it could be, and, and I think there was, the staff was kind of small and didn't have necessarily the right background, and, and they, they came to that realization, and uh, I was lucky enough to, to, for them to find me, uh, and then, and it's been such a such a lot of fun, but I got in and realized we kind of needed everything. Mm-hmm. We needed to 
read you our design language and our website and our store finder experience. And we needed a reason for people to feel the feels of mm -hmm. a ordering experience that was as premium and quality as the product was. And if you don't know Jets, it's a higher end product. It's you know not that you know, it probably costs double what Domino's does, not that it's expensive. So it's not like a Chicago deep, style, deep dish $50 pizza, but it's mm -hmm. not a Little Caesars Domino's yeah. POS of, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that we're just ordering because of what, I don't even know why. But the point is, it's very good. Yeah. And we wanted technology that was as good as our product. Yeah. And so looking around, I was I uh, met up with some guys that we had a kind of connection. They were doing something with databases and Mm -hmm. uh, smart mailers, and they kind of had this concept like, hey, can we get text ordering going? I'm like, yep. Uh, and the, some of the influence I had over that side, so they you know, went through like kind of this build phase to a, mm -hmm. a launch. The, I think one of the more significant impacts I had on that is they were originally thinking this could be like a back and forth chatbot style thing mm -hmm. where you're like, hey, what can I get you? I would like a pizza. Do you want anything more? Yes, I like Coke, which had been done other times. It had been done not by me at Domino's, by someone else. And it had been done, and I still think that their product is that's a crap product. The it just it's not engaging, and I don't know the stats on it, but I would bet it's it's embarrassingly low usage relative to their other platforms, sure. which are, are are fairly well done. I'm not going to knock all their things, but that I just yeah. it's such a weird product. So in this one, what I insisted on is like, hey, let's do an A/B test and giving the community, the customer a message that says we want to do this all in one message mm -hmm. that you can say something like in text to the same phone number you could call yeah you would say hey i'd really like one of those super great pizzas and a pepsi and also can i have a coke and i'd like it delivered to one three main street ending on card with the ending of uh you know and here's my credit card information and by baking it all into one message it felt really fun and magical to enter your order and have it completed through the payment process yeah. in like 15 seconds and in the A-B testing, when we started out, that was not necessarily a better uh, conversion rate. The traditional, the thing that people were familiar with was, mm -hmm. what was, what was what was winning out. But we let it bake for a little while. I like uh, all the puns. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. And they, get, when, when you see customers get to over that learning curve and into like the third and fourth order, the likelihood that they were going to order with the all-in-one message mm -hmm. went up. And, I, and so that's what we've, we've stuck with the whole time. I'm a big believer that that's the way to do it, even though the system has the capability of going to the mm -hmm. traditional back and forth analog of a human experience thing. Yeah. That's not as fun. Just me blurting out to a computer what I want and then, and then accomplishing it really quickly is partly respectful of my time, but just fun. Yeah. So we keep it and we've now done with on the AI platforms for us, we've done maybe, maybe 115 million or so, I think. We crossed 100 million in December or so. So it's a significant platform for us. Mm -hmm. It's, um, yeah. Because you I, do text message order. Like, what are the channels that you serve customers in for ordering? Yeah. So we you can call us like you could since 1978. And you're calling the local pizza shops or yeah. is it? Okay. Yeah. And I know you have some background with uh, call centers and stuff like yeah. that. And we, that conversation was an active and alive conversation with us going yeah. back and forth like, hey, do we want to do this? Do we not? You know, you know for a for pizza shop that's made by someone local mm -hmm. um and what are the societal implications of like you know having the person that is on the other line not be there or are they going to yeah. be you know all those things but you also do the voice ai stuff too right yeah so okay. you call you can online order you can text you can originate in an app um but then you just go but you're effectively reskinned into a responsive design web page through an app 
Uh, and then you can, uh, now we have the phone bot where you call up the computer voice says, hey, this is the Jetbot, I'm a super smart robot that can get you 15% off your pizza, wanna try it out. And when that customer says yes, they go, uh, a robot says, What's a, what can I get you? You can say anything you'd like. Mm-hmm. And it's that same concept of just you tell me what you want and I'll do the, and the computer does sure. the work to figure out what the orderable portion of that is. But compared to some brands, we're not mandating it. And we ought, we're currently offering the option to go back in and place to order in the store. And there are just some customers, and I know anecdotally, people say it's going to be the older customers. Yeah. And, and there's some truth to that, but it's all age ranges. Some people are tech progressive and they, they'll do it, but they will they'll still uh, want to have a traditional order with their pizza people, or they like talking to Mike on the phone and mm-hmm. they want to check in or ask specials or questions. They didn't think, te- you know. Yeah. Check or my teenagers a- are calling their friend at the <laughs> pizza shop. Does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I want to order through Jim. That's yeah. not really a kid name, but no. <laughs> sorry to all the gyms out there. But like, I want to go and call my friend who works there to order my pizza instead of doing it. If they know they're working, my kids oh, yeah. will. My kids will, or we'll go through McDonald's because their friends work in the drive-through or you oh, know, whatever cool. it is. Yeah, yeah well, it's kind of fun. Plus, they mess with them a little bit. You know? And that's respect too. So yeah. Like you ordered down, or you ordered McDonald's or wherever you were, yeah. and uh, it didn't come to me. I would be offended if yeah. I knew my friend was in the drive-through and didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So then how does that look like when you look at the channel? So yep. the voice, like the chat, Jetsbot jet for the voice. Jetbot, right. Jetbot. Um, that is done in the same manner where you ask the question, they can do the full order just like text messaging. Yeah, you can say whatever you want to say. And was that done by design that potentially they'll overlap or cross channel? Sometimes they might order text or they might order voice or that was just you think the flow. Like how did you come up with thinking that's the right flow for both channels? So uh, subtlety is that in when when PhoneBot we did not necessitate all uh, doing it in one sure, order. Okay. The system is capable of it, so you can blurt out everything you want to say. Okay. Or you have a little bit of a follow up. Additionally, we wanted to we felt that it was acceptable in a phone experience to do things that are beneficial to the store, like ask mm-hmm. for an upsell. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons that that is so powerful as an economic piece of a store's technology mix. Because that 19-year-old kid that, in, you know, is stereotypically in your pizza yeah. store or 15 or whatever he is, yeah. or he or she, that, that employee, which pizza just use younger, they're not always going to remember and, and well execute asking for an upsell. Yeah. But the computer is always going to remember and do it the same way every single time. At Friday at 5 o'clock on payday Friday in, like, in places where that's a huge impact mm-hmm. to, to the store, it is frenetic it is uh yeah. just it's like it's a chaotic environment and you will hear the stress in people's voice the phone bot is the same super mm-hmm. positive tone no matter when you call if there are a thousand yeah. orders going on it is still going to be the same tone and you remove the yeah. negative part of the human element from that mm-hmm. and really you know i think i think this is just worth mentioning because i'd love to juxtapose two con- concepts here someone could jump and say hey aren't you taking someone's job we cannot find enough. And if anyone's seeing this and you'd like a job in Jets Pizza, <laughs> I guarantee you just walk in your store like, hey, I would like to work here. And they will probably say, you're hired immediately because we need we need more people. So this is the thing that's, it's a really a pressure relief yeah. uh, to have this in the store. Um, and I think the the most fun uh, most fun part for that stereotypical 19-year-old mm-hmm. kid that's in that store is making the pizza. Mm-hmm. The humans are always going to be the harder part. Yeah. Well, and, but to your point too, so coming from like an outsourcing CX background, one of the hardest things to manage are, is peak demand. Yeah. So like, let's say it's a Friday at four yeah. or five o'clock. 
if you have Jetbot who can manage, I don't know scalability, but a thousand orders at the same time where a human can only manage one at a time and they have to move through the queue, then you're also, like you're saying from the experience, I'd add to what you're saying to just say, as a human, I'm much happier that I haven't been on hold for 20 minutes to order my pizza because I might in 20 minutes decide, "Eh, I'll just do something at home instead if they're really backed up at the store versus if you can get right through realistically and i keep doing this by the way where my kids do this oh, okay. i don't know if you played around with that but kids are very different in how they they hold their phone yeah it's a more thing yeah. um I'm, so i'm basically showing them old realistically from a total profit perspective your customers not our pizza's good but it's not it, it for many it won't be sit on hold for 20 minutes good uh, mm-hmm. that's just an expectation for some yeah this is i know for a fact saving us sales for people who would have otherwise Hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So then kind of transitioning to you've come up with some of these concepts. They've taken off. Yeah. Um, the one question I'd have is like, how do you then, one thing I, I would think it would be a challenge is how do you then tie to marketing? So a lot of times I get to what's the special of the day? Or like, do you have any yeah. coupons? Or are there, are you doing like a two for one? Or are there free breadsticks or whatever it is? Yeah. How do you do that? Or are the people who are ordering smart enough, they've already done research before they get there? Yeah. It's been... I've thought long and hard on that one. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a 60% chance I've gotten it right. No higher than that. We have existing marketing flows. Uh, There's direct mailers and Facebook ads and all the things that a modern company would have to get messages out about specific deals. But from a tech perspective, there, and even from a consumer perspective, I, I feel some negativity towards the restrictions of a coupon. Coupons can have guardrails and you're not really telling people what, when you get a coupon, you're not probably statistically getting what you want. You're mm-hmm. getting what the coupon, what's available on the coupon mm-hmm. if you're dedicated to that person. Uh, so I'm a big proponent of the system remaining with a fixed price discount. So we have, mm-hmm. it's like a 15% discount. And what that in part facilitates is that every customer is getting exactly what they want mm-hmm. and they feel confident and having a deal, you know, in the future, would we maybe have to shift that? Maybe we'll, you know, continuously look at the economics of it. Yeah. But for now, um, the system is capable of putting a coupon, but we don't see it that often. And I'm, I'm not motivated to go make a big deal to cut to to communicate to the customers that you can yeah. go get this restrictive uh, thing. Sometimes the pricing is the relative discount rate on a coupon is deeper than the 15% mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that, which also from a business perspective gives you a little bit of extra margin built mm-hmm. into every order. If, the, if all the tickets on there have a 4% difference uh, compared to a coupon order and a coupon order would happen like 80 or 90% of the time, because that's yeah. what the world expects out of pizzas that, it, that you get a coupon. So it, there's even some cost benefit to us and the customer gets what they want. They feel like they got a good deal. They didn't have to make any restrictions. It also shrinks the amount of time that yeah. it takes to get through the ordering process, which has a direct impact on overall conversion. Well, and I think I would lean in and agree more on that side, just from a marketing perspective. I don't like when I go to new sites and they're like, oh, you're new. If you order, you get 10 to 15% off. Or I know that there's codes or coupons out there, but yeah. I don't have them. Or I had, oh, I got something in the mail that I could clip or do something. And I'm like, why do I have to have stuff that you've advertised, especially if I'm already a customer in yeah. some cases? Like, why do I actually get punished for being an existing customer versus yeah. 
getting a, a sweet deal if I'm a new customer. And so I actually would think that's better. Yeah. So I'd probably move your number up a little bit than 60% yeah. just because I think if it, there's true like honesty and transparency and we're always going to give you the best deal, you don't have to have these other yeah. special things that you need to be paying attention to to clip out or whatever else because... I mean, let's be honest, even if it's clipping physically, I'm doing the air quotes now. Yes. The clipping physically or from the website or, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, then you actually, you can feel confident that you're ordering and you're getting the best deal. Because that's yeah. the worst when you're like, oh, someone else got this for 20 bucks and I'm paying 30. Like I got yeah. ripped off. Like, you know, does so the pepperoni taste that much better? Mm -hmm. No. It, but it does taste better if you think you paid less for it. It does. Yeah. yeah. There's a weirdly, because yeah. there's a pride aspect mm -hmm. of that. And mm -hmm. even like, you know, if, if I have a, uh, and hopefully will have, uh, if I had $100 billion in the bank, mm -hmm. I still want the coupon because I feel like it's an us versus them yeah. mentality when I'm when I'm ordering anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, no, I'm, I would rather spend, even like, you know, go down to your local sporting goods shop. I would rather leave that money in my will to my children than give it to Dick's Sporting Goods or yeah. whatever. Especially if you know, like, oh, I know there's a coupon for this, like twenty yeah. percent off, dang, and I didn't bring it with me. Well, and I feel, tell me if you yeah. feel this too. I think that is the cause of hesitation for ordering, and mm -hmm. I want to grease away the moment you're thinking pizza. Yeah. I want you to, and Jess could be here in fifteen seconds. I can get this ordered. Yeah, well, and not just that. So I also use now Microsoft Edge, and what uh, as one of my browsers. And it instantly does the whole, like, I used to go to... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I roll intentionally? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you think on this one because I use it. Here's why. Listen, if I'm shopping, I use Edge yeah. because they, I don't have to go to Retail Me Not or any of those coupon sites if I'm going to do like, oh, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to spend a lot of money on swimsuits or I'm going to go buy this or I'm going to go buy okay. that. And so I, instead, I do it through Microsoft Edge because it instantly will scan the web yeah. and place any coupons in your basket that it can think of. Yes. Uh, everyone who heard you say that, that's a technologist, is going to say the same thing. They're like, yeah, that's an extension in Chrome as well that probably predated Edge and probably works way better because you know it was what? not made by Microsoft. Probably. They might say it. I'm not going to say that. That would be rude to call you out right in front of you. So I will not Actually, say anything Actually, this is a like very that. open conversation. So I'd like to be re-educated or educated on something that it's I just... Google, it's a Google Chrome extension. Oh, well. So you have options. Look at that. You just went from thinking there was only one option. Your world. No, I actually use three browsers, but it's it's probably based on whatever is most habitual. So it's like on my phone, it's default something else, and so you know, it's actually just keeping my mind exploring other options. This is gonna make me sound like an old dude, and we've already established I was in college twenty eight years ago. Well, I use the phone thing. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. So I will, I mean, Chrome is my favorite. Okay. I'm just saying Edge does all Anyone the Anyone who's done me. developing, I don't <laughs> think I there, don't. any any developer out there who's ever had to run some code, I don't, it's going to take a long time before they go, yes, I will intentionally use a Microsoft product. Yeah, I know. But I, I mean, think, there's much to be desired with all of it. Your background is not, you, you, you have so many great backgrounds, but it's not, you don't have a development background. So yeah. I think you've not been jaded. There's a good chance I'm just uh, a Chrome fan guy because of that. No, Chrome is way better. But when I read, when I was running project management and go to market for an app development that we were doing within one of the PPOs I worked for, so we were building yeah. like an omni-channel platform. Yeah. 
and we had two development teams, one in Boston and one in Denver. And I'm sure you're already thinking like, okay, this sounds, it's going to get interesting. And then our architects were in another place. (laughs) Those were boardroom meetings where I was holding men by collars who were trying to fist fight. And I didn't have, I didn't know the background to know, like, is this good code or not? And the APIs, they Mm. weren't developing anywhere near each other. They're just like all over the place. But I remember specifically in a meeting um, there that one of the developers was like, wait, you wanted this to be on Internet Explorer 2, the newest version? I was like, do I have to tell you these things? Like, what is happening? I'm like, I do not know the tech- newest and latest technologies or the old ones that we need to maintain right. that you need to build on. And that was back yeah. when first, like, the apps were just starting to be developed and it was still new. Yeah. But I just remember looking at him being like, wait, is that my response? And I think that's where you have challenges in tech requirements and some of that development yeah. too, right? I guarantee that guy's felt the pain. I, I know that pain. Well, I wanted to give him pain because <laughs> I was so mad at him. <laughs> You're right. He could have handled that better from a communication standpoint Yeah. because he's expected to know that. He's lucky I'm very emotionally stable that I did not want to fight him, that I broke up fights instead of wanting to punch him in the head that day. Okay. Not that I'm a violent person, but it was more of his response. okay so anyway so kind of going back so you have these so what's on the horizon then like if you're talking to people about how do you drive innovation in your company it's new tech especially when you're thinking about how does that impact customers and better ways how do you bring that lifehood to a customer experience with people using technology like what's what are your kind of thoughts on where things are headed yeah so i think even just being uh critical of how the areas of opportunity that we have not you know fully maximized we will we will need to do a better job of infusing traditional marketing efforts with the tech stuff. Mm-hmm. I think some of that comes with trust, which I think we're you know probably seven innovations deep and a couple hundred million dollars in incremental revenue. Those are trust building things mm-hmm. if you're acquiring a tech company. So I think I think we've earned the trust and we're getting better about doing those integration things. But I mean, we'll probably still be relying upon some traditional marketing stuff. Sure. Um, and those will, you know, filter out to consumers. The other thing that I think happens that I, that I think when I'm talking to other people that mention like, oh, I was at Domino's for a while because they get a moniker of having a being or having been, I think a little bit more having been previously a, a very innovative company is that it raises, because it's such a big name brand and so many mm-hmm. people are have used it, yeah. it's raised the bar on consumer expectations. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see, we will continue to see a differentiation for brands at a PL level for who embraced technology and who didn't. It's yeah. no longer an option. It's no longer a gimmick. It is the tech, these pieces of tech and AI are things that you have to do to be in the modern commerce space. Mm-hmm. Not optional. Yeah. And so you've talked a little bit about like if I'm if I'm someone listening, how do I tactically say to someone internally, like how do you get the buy-in or how do you look and say, are we truly innovative or how do we prove that out? Yeah. So, you know, an interesting uh, thing I was reading, uh, I was at this conference in Vegas last week and we were talking about um, that very topic and a really cool stat came up that if you want to ask your company, if you want to figure out, has my company been innovative over the past five years? A great way to check it out is talk to your CFO and see what percent of the overall budget was spent for Mm R&D. And if you look and realistically, all you spent money on were um, rollouts and legacy costs you're probably not being innovative if you aren't spending some percent of your budget. Now, I don't know what the magic number is. I think someone in the room over there said, I think it should be 10%. And the, there's a lot of head nodding. So maybe it's 10%. Yeah. But either way, you can proportionally look at it and say, hey, if this element is missing 
And if innovation is a necessity for continuously staying competitive with the Joneses in the business world or from like a consumer uh, from a consumer perspective, mm-hmm. you gotta put money into R and D. And what's interesting is if you had a number in mind that seemed reasonable, like ten percent of your overall budget should be in R and D. Yeah, it's probably not just software cloud. It's probably headcount too. I think the thing that is a struggle for all companies with or as it relates to R and D mm-hmm. is that you. It's hard to get that approval through HR when you're yeah. like, here, we're going to research and develop something. And they're like, okay, well, so we're going to make how many, how much money off this? Yeah. And if you're being honest, the answer is some probably somewhere between negative 100% and positive <laughs> 10,000%. You have no idea. You got to roll with that trust. But if you zoom out mm-hmm. and look and say, everyone's doing it, all the cool kids are doing it, then realistically, about if it's 10%, then one in 10, one in 10 head count should probably be dedicated to functions of R&D. So wrapping things up a little bit, but I want to ask you a question first, which is one thing we like to ask people. And so the theme is always stay wild. So how do you stay wild in your life um, (laughs) now? Like looking back, you know, previously sending porn to your grandparents, like, now, like, what are your hobbies or like, what's something that people don't know about you or something that you infuse into your life that is something that really excites you or you're passionate about outside of like the, you know, tech industry and some of yeah. that. What you're seeing here is someone <laughs> saying, what is okay to document? <laughs> Everything. That's <laughs> why it's six and chill. <laughs> this is a raw, unfiltered I, podcast. I think it's fair to say that as a 40 something dude with great kids, that I'm uh, that the spectrum of wild has been tamped down by life. But for me, <laughs> wild would probably be you know I love I, I don't know that I can even claim that doing you know working on my deck and building stuff or needlessly scrolling through a million interior design videos to pick out a new piece of uh, you know a new paint color or a new wall thing. Mm-hmm. I like working on my own space. You know I think what's weird is I didn't value my house. I didn't value the sense of home as Mm -hmm. much prior to COVID, but the force to be home raised the value in it, uh, raised the emotional value of it. So I I tend to focus on that. Um, You know, I'm not really, except for the occasional like whiskey fused night. Yeah. I don't think I got, I don't think I have a wild streak in me at the moment. But maybe wild is looking at paint colors and doing the deck. I mean, things change as an adult and it could still be fun, but wild maybe it looks a little bit different. All right. How about this? It seems reasonable. If you have the stones to ask someone that question, maybe you should answer it first. <laughs> that will be on an additional podcast uh, later. That doesn't on. seem fair. I think this is a moment to be called out for honesty. Oh. We've talked recently about how honesty this. How how, how, how I stay wild is yes. I raise three teenage boys, okay. and I just try to keep my head on my shoulders <laughs> and not go crazy. They're all great kids, so I know I'm going to force them to listen to this, <laughs> and they'll probably roll their eyes. That's usually in, trapped in my car because then they can't leave when they can't walk out of the room. But I think it's more of just, I love to travel and I think it's fun yeah. to, um, I love having, I think what I like to do is have really wild conversations with people where yeah. we can talk about things that maybe a five-year-old would talk about, or maybe an 80 year old would talk about, but just really creative, imaginative things that who knows if it's possible or not. But I think that's for me what I like to do. Do you know I- an alternate version because wild could be like you know we're in a, like chocolate it's not like a like a girl's gone wild kind of a wild that's not the wild i'm leaving like waking up in the jungle after a bender like who like you you don't even know where you are and you have to be like survivor like that sounds really crazy and that sounds yeah. exciting but i don't 
For me, that sounds really tiring. Probably the I think the, I think the version of mild that is appropriate for people who are like maybe someone has a mortgage or paying taxes or needs to be responsible or something like that. Yeah. I think you gotta you don't do don't I don't recommend doing anything that you know prevents you from doing that. And if that's your, I'm not judging if if that's life you're leaving whatever. But I think staying childlike, you know, back to the yeah. ability to continuously innovate or at least dream up something that is what you would do if you didn't have these the confines of mm-hmm. life that, you know, give you gray hairs and pizza bellies and stuff like that. Uh, keeping that, keeping yourself flexible enough to do that is, yeah. is really important. Yeah. And I try, I try real hard to do that, which is a weird way to justify being super fucking immature sometimes. <laughs> Well, I am immature. I live life off of sarcasm and sexual innuendos, <laughs> but I don't really think that's wild. That's just my natural upbringing, right. <laughs> thanks to my Irish father. Yeah, I, I guess my Irish background, maybe it's a poor thing. Yeah, maybe. But thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. See you guys at the next episode. Uh, we're thankful that you guys keep watching, and uh, we'll have more about figuring out more of the staying wild with everyone else. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps, with today's host, Stephanie Todd, executive producer, Sean McCreary, producers, David Spear, Clarissa Coronado, and Memo Davalos, editors and videographers, Carlos Alfonso and Santiago Aguirre, graphic support from Jordan Madrid, and social media guru, Claudia Corona. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next time for more CX and Chill.